Hey, I'm gonna sip some coffee. <laughs> and there might be a slurp, I don't know. <laughs> Very in character. I like it. Mm-hmm. How are you? Good. I am still in pajamas. Good, good. Just having a very lazy day. <laughs> good. <laughs> it's like, it's so nice uh, to just be home and it's raining and stuff. And um, I did reorganize like the uh, living room or whatever. So that way the couch faces the fire and I put the stuff on the mantle and everything. Um, and that was nice. Um, and I was just kind of hanging out there with Sweet Pea. I was like, this is so cozy. So um yeah. All right. So we want to talk about revisions today. We do. Mm-hmm. And I have been <laughs> looking at my document. Mm-hmm. It needs revising. Yeah. <laughs> thinking a lot about the process, actually, which for me has changed quite a bit since my first exploration into revision. So mm-hmm. I'm finding that kind of reflecting on that is really interesting for me. And I wonder, like, there's no real way to study it because you change as you go along and you I don't know. Do you think there are people who kind of find their process and then just stay with it and it works for them all the time? I'm I, sure I all sorts exist. Yeah. And I also, you know, it's so curious to me because I feel like every project is different. Uh, and I, and I, or at least for me, it feels like every project is different. And maybe it's because in some ways I feel like I'm still a baby writer. And I mean, every project is different is a good point, but also to that point is every project is different, but you're also not the same person who writes different projects because you can't, unless you're writing concurrently, which yeah, I don't know, I cannot do. Yeah. I feel like I need to acknowledge that my life is chaos. And I think that's, <laughs> I think that's part of why everything always feels different because there's mm-hmm. just always a new personal challenge. I feel like I'm tackling and all of the life things and then just trying to figure out how I'm going to do X thing now and where do I fit it in. And I know that's something you and I have talked about so much is, you know, me just with my tiny little violin crying about uh, (laughs) like, oh, I can't do the morning stuff as much as I used to be able to. And my brain works so much better in the morning, but I just literally can't do it (laughs) right now. And, uh, you know, and I wonder, it's like, oh, if I were to be doing this at a different time, I feel like my process would be different, right? Mm-hmm, it's just kind mm-hmm. of facts of life. Yeah. So I, I think that that's, you know, maybe my process is just that there is no process. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that. I think there is a process to everything, but it's just something that we kind of have to allow to be a bit like water, right? It just kind of flows into the spaces around you Mm. and that's how you you let it mold to you instead of you molding to it oh my gosh laura be the riverbed oh yeah oh yeah that's true she's so wise she is okay my process is laura (laughs) (laughs) okay are you revising right now yeah i am i'm i'm revising crying all those things. Um, <laughs> Tell me I, your re- revision process so far so we can, because I feel like there's going to be so many different people who have different ways of approaching this. And I've been thinking of, like before we, we started chatting about this now, I was thinking about a couple of authors who've shared their processes, which maybe we can talk through, who I really admire. And at the same time, how 
it's important to look at somebody else's process to learn from it, but also to realize that you are not that person and your process can look very different. So you can draw inspiration from those. Yes. I think it would be fun if we talked through our own processes a little bit and then kind of tapped into what could be interesting ways for people to adapt it and how you can think about, and this is going to sound funny, but I think about this a lot, how knowing yourself is really important for being able to both draft and revise anything. And so I'll elaborate on that later, but I think that could be something interesting to talk about here. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Tell me your process. Okay. Because I'm so, so nosy. <laughs> I like that about you. Um, yeah. So as I said, there, I mean, I said there's no process, but uh, there is aspirations. How about that? So uh, what I'm doing right now is I took a leaf out of your book for when we were together back in, in the day. And, um, <laughs> you know, Gabby did this really wonderful um, write-up of her own uh, project. I'll let you talk more about that for you, but I uh, am doing the same thing with that, but it's really what I think this project should be. So it's basically a long synopsis, but with the um, big character moments in place and kind of really trying to highlight the tension for myself. And then um, I am in the middle of uh going through my document um which is large and mm -hmm. pulling out all the scenes i have all these different index cards and they're all divided up into different colors and each color represents a pov so mm -hmm. um and i have three main povs like some interludes and flashbacks so i'm just kind of trying to tackle that i'm kind of visual so that is being is pretty helpful to me right now and uh as i'm going through that i'm making sure it fits into like an eight sequence um structure which mm -hmm. is is a um, screenwriting method. And then um, I'm kind of combining that with Rachel Griffin's method of outlining, uh, which mm. I can link in the show notes here. Um, she has a really thorough way of outlining. So um, that's, that's my aspirational process, if yeah. you will. Um, yeah. I have wept over it though. So it's, um, you know, it's mixed. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Rachel Rachel's uh, process because that was one of the processes that I think is fantastic and it's really detailed. Mm -hmm. um, and the other was um, Susan Dennett, which we should mm. well. She has just great resources for how to revise. And both of them have, I think, a little bit of a similar approach in the beginning where you kind of read through your document start to finish in as short a time as you can. And just, you know, so firstly, just to say that the, I think universally, the most important thing to do is to leave it alone for a while after you've drafted it. So don't mm -hmm. like finish writing it and then immediately start revising it because that's, that's, you'll have no perspective. So they, they both kind of leave it alone and they come back. And then, and a lot of people say like two weeks is the minimum time. I always tell myself I'll give it two weeks and usually it ends up being longer because life things get in the way, but that's a good thing for the draft. And then they both kind of go through and read start to finish and take notes on things that jump out at them. And one of the things I will say that when I really started like right at the beginning to write and, and tell stories, I thought that all I needed to do was draft the story and then print it out and then read it. 
make some, you know, mark it up in the text. And then I'd get a feeling and I'd know in that feeling if this was the right thing that I was Mm -hmm. doing and then I'd be able to fix it and then it would be done, which is incredibly naive. (laughs) And it was also a process that I needed to go through for myself to realize that that's not the way you can do things. And, but there is definitely value in marking up in the text in going with feeling, because I do think you will get a good sense of when something feels off, you'll notice it not only in kind of the line edit stuff, but as you read it as quickly as possible to get a sense of tension, of pacing, of believability of characters, motivations, all of those things, if you've left it alone for enough time, those will show through and then you can kind of just mark it for yourself. And then I think their processes start to get a bit different at that Mm -hmm. point. But for me, what I do is I'll read through my whole draft and I will mark up anything and everything with comments. I don't print it. I did the very first time that I wrote a book. I printed the whole thing and I, I don't do that anymore because I just feel really bad for the trees and I, I write a lot. <laughs> so Yeah, it's um, also expensive. Well, I had printed it at home, which was a terrible idea. I did that too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, we learn. We learn. We learn. Yeah. And so I'm, I just comment in my document. And then I have it and I'll say, oh, this piece should move here or deepen this person's thing. And this character's arc here like this and go back to this chapter and do it there. And so I'll just tell myself all of these things all at once without any structure to it. And then I'll, I also use the eight sequence, uh, which actually I think you told me about. Mm -hmm. We had a long talk about this at some point. And I think you, yes, I think it was you who told me about it. I love it because (laughs) when I think about like the three act structure or four act structure, everything feels so big. Mm -hmm. And so I have to get this whole act right, (laughs) you know, and it, it, it just, yeah, it, it's a big thing to, to just bite off and chew on for a long time and try to get everything right. Whereas if you have smaller chunks for me personally, that works better. So I take the eight act structure I put, and I kind of overlay it a little bit onto the save the cat structure. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there's another, and I really have to look up the name of this author. She did, um, gosh, Romancing the Beat. Gwen Hayes. Okay. Um, But no, then I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about uh, Jamie Gold. Do you know who Jamie Gold is? Oh, I do. Yeah. I've seen... I've seen a beat sheet of Jamie Gold's, I think. Yes. She has some really great resources on her website, and we can link that too. And so she doesn't specifically talk about eight-act structures that I have come across, but she does name and reference other people who talk about different structures and story. And I've kind of overlaid them all for myself in a way that fits roughly into an eight-act structure. But what it allows me to do is to kind of, we've talked before about how I use beacon, like I write to Mm -hmm. beacons. So when I revise, I do the same thing. I go and look at those beacons and say, have I hit them in the way that I wanted to? When I read through everything, did it actually land right? Mm -hmm. Do I get a good sense of, am I hitting those plot beats correctly? And if not, why not? And so I'll just mark them all like that and make sure that everything's making sense. And Actually, that's a little bit of a lie because before I even do that, I do do the jacket blurb only because I feel like it gives me a sense of what the stakes are. And then if I go back and look into all of those beacons that I've marked for myself, then I have an idea of what I'm working towards for those stakes to really feel like they're big enough. And it was something that I didn't do before. When I started writing, I just thought, of course, I know what my story is. It's fine. But then when I got to the point of having to write a query, I realized, you know, in my very, very first story that I'd ever written, that my stakes weren't high enough. And it wasn't clear to me because I was so deep into the story Mm -hmm. that I just assumed that, yes, of course, it was engaging. But having to pare it down to 
half a page of why should anybody read this book, I realized very quickly where the holes were. Mm -hmm. And that was a tough realization to come to years after writing something. So definitely after drafting, I do recommend writing the jacket blurb. And And by that, you mean um, writing what you would see on a book jacket? Yes. And then, so I would write what you would see on a book jacket and then do a separate document where you continue so that you get to the end. And that becomes a synopsis Mm -hmm. because the book jacket for me is going to be all of the major beats, but it's not going to tell you the ending. The synopsis is always going to tell you the ending. So you want to make sure that the the ending feels satisfactory. Mm -hmm. So you want the synopsis for yourself and for any agent who might say, okay, I'd like to see the synopsis. If they do, sometimes they do a partial request plus the synopsis. Sometimes they want the synopsis up front with a query. Everybody has different requirements. But before you even think of querying, just do it for yourself. And then it gets gets you kind of into the, or gets me into the headspace of, does this feel like the story is something that I would want to read? I can't ask myself if other people would want to read it because I don't know (laughs) what people want. But I do know that if I pick this up and I feel like, oh, I I actually would want to read that and try not to be biased about myself, then that feels like a good indication of does this feel big enough? Does this feel like it's hitting the right notes? And by big, I don't mean like people have to die or, you know, those kinds of stakes. They don't have to be enormous. Yeah. yeah, Okay. But (laughs) it could also, as long as you're setting up the story in a way, it could be something very small, but it has to be super important to your character. So if we understand that something really matters to the character, then that is a stake too. And you just have to be able to convey that on the, in your little blurb. And so that's how I start with revisions. I do the the blurb thing. Um, I read through the whole book. I tag everything for myself. And then I peg everything to my beacons. And then I do, I get a notebook out and I start jotting down lots of ideas of, oh, what if I do this thing? And what if I did that thing? And for all the questions that I have. And when I'm stuck, I call a friend and we chat through it usually. And that helps me a lot just to kind of bounce my ideas out loud and have somebody say them back to me and ask good questions. So definitely rope in your friends and people who understand the types of stories that you're trying to tell. So I would say at this point, you want to be sure that you, and we do have an episode about community, that you've found people in your community who connect with your story. So not just to give it to anybody and say, what do you think of this? Because anybody can read, but not everybody's going to necessarily connect with the story in the way that you hope. Mm. I think one thing that helps me too is um, I know I need to I know I need to finish mine. I can feel myself sabotaging me. And I also know that there are people waiting for my book. You know, whether or not, you know, that's an agent, whatever. You know, I have friends, I have family, I have people that really want to actually read this Mm -hmm. book, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think that's something that is kind of helping me continue to work on it, even as I feel myself slug through this right now. Like, I've definitely been feeling a lot of things with that, you know, and again, I hate being self-reflective because I'm like, this is an avoidance technique, Courtney. Look Mm -hmm. at you. Wow. You know, I'm just, you know, I hate that. I'm throwing shade at myself all the time, but, but it's true. Well, I mean, I, yeah. So this ties into what I was saying earlier about knowing yourself. I think what it it means to me is in the drafting phase, knowing myself means really what's going to get my butt in the chair and get me to actually put the words on the page. But it's not necessarily the things that you might think of on the surface. So it's it's a lot of when do I have energy in the day? 
What motivates me? Who are the people that I need to surround myself with and talk to every day? What kind of energy do I need to block out? Is this even the right season of the year for me to be a pro? Like, you know, things that mm-hmm. maybe you think are not important, but I know that when I'm really, really, really cold, I just don't function like a normal human being because I'm so miserable. Or if I'm you need not to sitting move. in the spot of the sun. <laughs> If I'm not sitting in a spot of sunshine, I need to move my table into the sun. And there's silly small things like that, but they help me because they put me in a certain frame of mind that allows me to bring the energy that I need to complete something. So whether it's a draft or whether it's a revision. And for me with revisions, what I need is to have things very clear in my mind. So I have maybe a little bit of a disparity in my personality and where on the one hand, I want to follow everything that I feel feels right. So I'll read a thing and I'll be like, okay, this feels like the the right thing to do, even if I don't understand the logic behind it. And a lot of the time that serves me well. And on the other hand, I try to shy away from just jumping into this feels right because I've done that before and I've got burned because I didn't step back enough to look at the bigger picture and think about what is the path that I'm going to walk to get to the end of this revision. I'm a visual person, which means I have to physically draw things and I have to, whether it's a circle or a line, or I have to put it in a way that I can see how it looks so that as I'm navigating this revision, I'm kind of picturing how it fits together in my head. And that feels like a doable thing for me because that's how my brain functions, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of it's sort of like a bit of a map in a way where I can just plan out what I want to do. And once I know what that is, then it's much easier for me to go in and do it. So if I know that I need to revise different threads of a story, I can pick on any given day. This is the thread I'm going to revise today. If I know in advance how all of my threads tie together in my story, where they fall in different chapters, how the arcs build up. So there's a lot of kind of pre-work that goes into revision compared to drafting. For drafting, I need to know what does my character want? What are they willing to do to give up or to, to do to get what they want? And everything else is the revision problem, which is where I sit now, which means that I have to sit for a long time and think about What am I trying to say with this story, which I usually only know at the end of the story. All of those things are feeling things, but they have to be for me within a framework of how do I step through these so that I don't waste my time? Because I'll spend a lot of time trying to make sentences sound really good. And that's Mm -hmm. the last step. It's the thing that you should do right at the end and not worry about because you're going to have to cut a lot of things, kill a lot of darlings, which is very painful, but is part of the process and was a very difficult part of the process for me to accept in the beginning because... Everything we write feels like a piece of your soul that you put on the page and to take it out. It hurts, right? But it does make you a better writer. We did talk about this the other day as well. So part of that comes from a sense of just being able to frame that for yourself, I guess. Yeah. And I think we're talking about a few different things here too, because um, some of this is a developmental edit, right? So if you're going to go and revise developmental means you're going to go through and this is the actual content, you know, what is actually occurring in this scene or this chapter or this act or however you're structuring or however you think about story structure. But, you know, then the line edits are the, you know, pretty lovely language sort of things that you might change later. Mm -hmm. So right now uh, I'm in a developmental edit land where I'm trying to think about content and structure. And I will say that, you know, part of me is it's such a struggle to not fix 
some of the the passive voice I'm seeing or, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I, this other verb, I mean, I'll write it down, you know, but I, I mean, I, my mind will get stuck on, you know, like what, what's a better verb I could use if I'm reading something. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so those are some things that I know, like I, I've just noticed about myself while I'm in this process, but you know, I'm really trying to, I think that's why, you know, like you needing the visual aspect of it, I'm almost taking it out of the realm of, oh, this written thing, and I'm making it visual for myself in a different way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that way I can see them as like blocks or pieces that I can move around. Yeah, I think you hit a good point there talking about the different types of edits. So what I said before, when I read through a document and I, my document, and I make the notes, I, I write everything. So I write the big developmental stuff, but I also write change this verb or change this word or this is too familiar. I write absolutely Mm -hmm. everything down. But then when I go and actually move the pieces to do the revision, I only look at those big moving blocks where I talk about like pegging things to different beacons. That for me is, is my plot working? Is my internal character arc for each of my main characters working with where all my major plot points are hitting in the external arc of the story? And If it isn't, then I need to start thinking about how do I move what I already have? And I always think about what do I have that exists in the story that I don't need to create anything extra? How can I make everything work with exactly what I have as I have it? And that feels more controllable than, oh, I can fix this with this magic, especially if you write magic, because I think Mm -hmm. if you write magic, then the temptation is so big to just create another element that can fix this plot hole or ramp up the tension here. And that's not necessarily the best thing to do. I think the tighter you can make everything with what you already have, the better. And then if you do need to introduce something, I think leave that as a last resort. For me, at least, that usually works better because it it means I have less pieces to fit. Because invariably, when you end up introducing something new, you also end up introducing more plot holes. When you were revising your project uh, last year and we talked Mm -hmm. about like you just need a break from that Mm -hmm. one of the biggest struggles you had I think at least from our conversations what I gathered was you had to go through to revise and break a thing and put it back together but then it broke other things because Mm -hmm. you have such a big plot right and I think that's such a big struggle if you're writing these giant books (laughs) with lots of that was a giant book plot subplot other mm-hmm. subplot character arc other char- you know all that <laughs> well yeah and and to be fair it was probably not the best idea for me to do that as a first story that I'd ever written and I learned a lot from it but it also meant that when I then I went on from that project and I wrote a middle grade story mm-hmm. which you know middle grade word counts are lower than what I was writing before which was adult fantasy so my middle grade came in around 62,000 words and That is a very doable chunk of words for me to edit, or maybe (laughs) felt like it because of the 100,000 that I'd written, (laughs) 140,000 that I'd written before. I think in terms of how the story was put together, was just a whole different process as well, because I was a different person. I had a different level of experience. So the draft itself was cleaner than the first draft that I'd written before. So every draft, and you can rely on this to be pretty standard in general, that every draft that you write is going to be better than something that you wrote before, because as long as you're continuing to pay attention to your craft, there's no way that you can't, and you read all the time. So you're taking in 
even if it's not completely consciously, you're taking in so many great things about how to tell a story, whether or not you can name those things. And that comes through in your writing. And then when you practice them and you realize what's wrong and somebody points that out to you, those become techniques that you start to implement without realizing it. And so when I drafted my middle grade novel, what was fun to me there was I initially had to stop myself in the previous draft of my adult to stop myself line editing things. And this time when I did my middle grade, I actually did allow myself to make some line edits, I not heavily. So sometimes I would just leave a note and say, come back to this and this is the problem. But usually I could catch myself with doing things like passive voice or mm -hmm. using too many adverbs or filtering or not uh, bringing in certain senses. All of those things were in the forefront of my mind because we spend so much time talking about craft and story. Mm -hmm. And with my writing group, we meet once a week and we share each other's stories. And so we're doing a constant kind of circle of feedback in a way where our brains are just now primed and activated to see these things. And so when you draft, it makes the draft cleaner the, the, the more you do it. And that did help with revision. So I was able to revise that very quickly. And that was a very different process to the revision that I tried to do before in my previous book because I had a different level of experience and it was a different story. It came in at a different level, I mm -hmm. guess. And that was helpful. And now I have a different process for a different book. And I feel like that process is going to be not the same as my middle grade because the story is so different. It has two POVs now. It has different elements that I need to get right in the structure. And revision generally takes me longer than drafting. I can draft really, really, really quickly but I do like to spend a lot of time thinking about how am I going to make this? And, and I think the reason for me is that with revision or with anything in storytelling, you have infinite options of how you can tell the story. So when you find a problem in the revision process and you have to think about how to fix it, there's so many different ways that you can fix it and you have to make the decision. And so my <laughs> problem, I guess, is that I have to make a decision. <laughs> And, mm -hmm. and I want to make the best decision for my characters and I want to make sure that I'm doing the story justice. And that is the difficult thing for me. So I'll sit a long time and I'll talk a lot about my characters and my story to the people that I trust with story. Yeah, I'm also just thinking about, you know, if you wrote it at a different time in mm -hmm. your life, it would be a different story. Yeah. And yeah. that's just always so interesting. So, yeah. I have heard people other authors talk about how they write a thing and they can put it away for years. Mm -hmm. And then some people even write something and then destroy it and then write down only the things that they remember about the story. Who does that? Go back. There are people who do this. Who? I, like, I need, who I need this. names I and addresses. <laughs> <laughs> addresses I cannot provide, okay. but <laughs> names I can provide. But so this, this is apparently a process that works well for some authors. I would never do that. I, that just is just terrifying to me. But of course, you know, everybody's process is different. And I respect that even if it terrifies me. Mm -hmm. um, but then the question of, you know, how much do you change if you're going to put this away for 10 years and come back to it? How? How? Gosh, I'm thinking about myself 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, like I wouldn't have even, I think, been able to write the book that, I mean, I, I wouldn't have even been able to write a book. Like when I was little, like I was, I would write, but it was, you know, these little half finished things, right? Like I did that my entire life. And, mm. you know, it's just kind of, it's just interesting to think about that, you know, and like 10 years ago, who was I? And anyway, she was a mess. <laughs> <laughs>
She's still a mess. It's a different mess. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. yeah. Is I mean, anyone who's listening to this that's out there revising, let us know your secrets. I'm always interested in knowing how other people do craft. Right? It's mm-hmm. it's always fascinating to me, and I'm a magpie. I want to take your little shiny jewels and steal them for myself. Um, and I'll figure out what I'm doing along the way. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that meme with like the, the horse and then there's like this beautiful, I don't know, it's this incredible artistic drawing and it looks so magical. And then it's called, um, the idea in my head and on the other side is like the the reality and it's just this <laughs> it's like plastic toy tied to the you know i haven't the, seen the that but i know the... i get it <laughs> <laughs> and i think there's another one as well with the dragon and like a really crappy drawing of a dragon beside it and so that process for me of trying to get from the crappy dragon to the majestic being is incredibly rewarding but also very frustrating and I am so so much of a perfectionist that it really grates on me when I can't get something to be what I envision. I know. Yeah, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen you. Mm, I know you have. And (laughs) and, um, another thing for me with revision is sometimes I'll start revising a thing and my characters will just decide to do something else. And and I'm like, don't do that. That's not that is not the plan. And they're so stubborn. And then, and and then, you know, part of me rebels too, because I, I want to follow them. Okay. So I just, um, had a thought Mm. and I think it's, um, it's good, (laughs) but bad. Uh Oh, okay. So I'm just gonna, you know, how I was asking you, like, will you, uh, let me turn in homework to you? (laughs) Yes. Okay. I'm just gonna say it on air. I'm just going to finish this this next revision by Jan 1. Okay, do it. Okay. I don't know if we'll cut this. We shouldn't cut this. We should keep it. No, we're not going to cut it because now you said it. Now I, I know. know what it is you were going to say. <laughs> Shouldn't be like, no, we're not cutting that. No, it stays. Okay, so I'm going to finish my revision by January 1st, 2023. Everybody flood her DMs on that <laughs> Yeah, I was I was asking. Um, so the, again, we're, we're going to circle back to all the things we like to talk about, which is community. So I was talking to Gabby. I was like, Gabby, maybe my teacher and be like, turn this in. <laughs> and I said, I'm a terrible teacher. And I am so, because I, I won't be like, turn this in on the state. But if you give me something to read and you leave okay. me. Oh, just yeah, you are. You unfinished, I will bug you. I'll be like, where? What the hell? So, yeah. but you have to give me the thing because if you don't give me a thing yeah. to bug you about, then yeah. Um, to be clear, I'm not giving my revision to the world yet, um, but <laughs> I will just update you guys should that be of interest. Um, but of also, it's of interest. yeah, I, do I post like pictures of myself crying? Do you think that's that could be part of it? Yeah. Okay. I just want to be done, and and I I just I'm going to say this because I feel like it's probably relatable to some people out there. I just want to be done. Like I want to be done, and I want to move on and live my life. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, I feel like I can't, like, I can't properly go into the next story because Mm -hmm. in the back of my mind, I'm always like, you need to finish this thing. You need to do it. You have to do it because it is an important story to me. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's got a life somewhere. I know it does. And also the part of me that wants to self-sabotage and, you know, likes a shiny new thing is like, oh, but what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? You know, so. Well, like I said, make a folder. And then put it away because I do. I otherwise do. you're not going to finish the thing. I know. I know. I've, I mean, I've got a whole thing just called scraps and it's just scraps of fun stuff. And mm-hmm. I love, I love scrap. I'm a magpie. Like I said, I'm just a magpie and like, <laughs> give me your shiny, pretty toys. And I love it. But yeah, and it's so hard because like right now, I think I'm just I'm just chasing the thrill of something new. You you know that feeling, and then when you have to go back and revise, it's kind of like God, I already did this. Um, mm. Maybe that's why it's hard right now. Yeah, I I get that feeling. I like the idea of just jumping into something and exploring a new character, and mm-hmm. everything is so fresh. But at the same time, I think I spend some time with these characters as I draft them. And I want to do them justice. And so it's hard for me to say, because I, I don't generally like to revise. It, as I said, it, it's part of my personality, I think, because I like to do things and do them quickly. And I like to see the result and then move on to the next thing. And with revision, that process is a lot slower because I have to spend some time thinking about what do I need to do to bring these the story alive? What is missing from here? or what is here but needs more time or what needs less time or whatever. There's a lot of questions that I need to answer. That means that I have to slow down. And understanding that about myself is helpful because I can address that head on and say, okay, I know I'm going to have to spend some time being slow here. This is part of the process. And Mm -hmm. what I'm going to do when I can jump in eventually is let myself be slow in the process before and figure out all of these things that are going to cause me problems and make me slow and take the time to be slow right now. Slow, again, being for me weeks to figure out how I'm going to do this revision. And then once I've figured out all of the the main things that I need to do, then I can be quick again because I can just go back into the draft and actually do the things. And again, this is where writing friends come in because as I revise, I share what I revise. And then if something crops up and it's problematic and I've created another plot hole that I didn't foresee, people who know and understand what I'm trying to do are going to tell me that. And so again, you're saving time and you're also getting some live feedback, which for me with my personality is really helpful. It might not be for you. And again, I would definitely advise against sharing your work with just anybody. Mm-hmm. Be really, really careful about who you choose to share your work with because that energy is really sacred when you're creating something and also when you're revising something. You do have to be brutal in revisions. It's a, a lot more of a brutal process than the drafting process because I think there's a lot more freedom in drafting. You just want to do absolutely everything that you feel like putting onto the page and that's fine. But in both cases, I think you do have to be really careful about who you let into that little sacred space. But at the same time, you you are going to find people in your writing community who understand you and the types of stories that you like to tell. So even if you're telling stories worlds apart and they know, I just, I just even, don't even know how to f- phrase this because I've, t- I've told stories that are super different from each other, mm-hmm. but the people in my writing community and the ones that I, there's a very small circle of people that I'll share these words with, they see the stories immediately for what I intend for them to be. So those are the types of people that you want to find to read Mm -hmm. your stories. 
whether the story is a completely different genre from something that you've written before or a different voice or whatever. The point is, those are the people that are going to understand absolutely everything that you put out there. And so they can foster your growth rather than say, I didn't like this piece over here. What about moving that there? That's not going to help you. You need people who understand and connect really was the story that you're trying to tell. I think that's yeah, what's I, really helped me. I think part of it is just on all levels, letting go of ego on every single level. So it's like me as a storyteller, but also someone as you know, a reader, a critiquer, a participant in the story. And it's not about what what you would want the story to be, but it's helping the creator get the best vision of whatever the soul of the story is, um, you know, and being critical mm-hmm. and doing all of those things, but not trying to be like, well, I think that X should be better. I mean, and you can say, I think those things too, but it's just, um, I think it's just experiencing a kind of resonance with someone and really trying to get on that wavelength and then mm-hmm. see what happens. No, no, it feels very spiritual. I think it is. And this is why the people who I connect with well are really some of my closest friends because they fully understand without having even completely read the whole story as they're going through what I'm trying to do because they understand me. Mm -hmm. And then when you're at that level of interaction with somebody, you can take all levels of criticism because Mm -hmm. it's not personal and it's hard, I think, in the beginning when you're revising something and you're starting to get your first levels of feedback to realize that, well, this thing that you drafted is not going to be as perfect as you hoped. And you Mm -hmm. have to just let go of that. You just have to immediately say to yourself, I'm drafting this book. It's a zero draft. And then I'm going to go in and I'm going to revise it. This zero draft is not going to be the best thing I've ever written. It can have the bones of the best thing you've ever written. It can have some of the meat of the best things you've ever written, but there's still going to be stuff you have to do to it to make sure that it's as shiny as you want it to be. And the people that you trust with your work are the ones who are going to give you that feedback. I don't think any story can be told in a vacuum. I don't think that it should be told in a vacuum. We write these stories for many reasons. You know, sometimes we write them and we don't want to share them with other people. And I think there's also merit to that, right? We can write for ourselves and that's okay. The type of writing that I'm talking about right now is, you know, the two of us, we write and we want to put our stories out into the world. And so if you want to do that, then a big part of that question is, Am I telling the story that I set out to tell? And if somebody understands the story that you set out to tell, then you can immediately get the feedback that you need that is helpful for Mm -hmm. how you want to continue. And if somebody else reads it who doesn't understand the story that you want to tell, that's also fine. Not everybody's going to pick your story up off the shelf and love it. And that's okay. So I think it, it comes down to you knowing and understanding for yourself what the process has to look like for you, I guess. That's what I'm I, saying. I feel like this, I'm like, I'm like, this is just like friendship, you know, because it is, it really is because I don't want to be friends with everybody necessarily. Not that there aren't like wonderful people out there, but there's certain people I'm just resonating with a lot. I want to invest a lot of time with. And it's the same thing when I'm working with stories. I feel like, you know, there's some people that just really get me, get it. And that's just you know, who I'm hanging out with a lot. And then some people that maybe get it to a degree, but less. And, you know, it's just like, there's different levels of friendship and also just being judicious about, you know, where you put your energy. I mean, that's so much of life. Before we go, um, snacks. 
What's your favorite snack today? No, what's your favorite snack today? You have to go. I, I, I did mute myself earlier because I was eating crackers and I didn't want to crunch on the oh, screen. But actually, mine? I'm going to... Are they what? Are they mine? Like my favorite ones? They're your favorite ones, yes. Oh. And um, I'm going to make some buffalo cauliflower dip today. <gasps> and I'm going to eat it with the crackers. My gosh, my heart <laughs> is so warm with Frank's hot sauce. <laughs> Very happy to find that here, by the way. It was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I thought you guys didn't have it. Uh, the recipe is from parties and party, not parties. Now party we have to, your plans. You'll have to post the recipe. Well, I don't know if I can. It's from someone's cookbook. Oh. Party in your plants. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm uh, going to make spaghetti squash, uh, mm. which I'm excited about. And we got that. I don't remember the, the brand of it, but that uh, marinara sauce that you had when we were when you were here with like the whole garlic cloves in it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so I'm gonna do that and I think I'm gonna make uh like some you know vegan meatballs and just see kind of what kind of beans I've got I've got some good lentils I might do that might do it with lentils and um just whatever other random things I have breadcrumbs Mm -hmm. or I don't know pumpkin seeds I could probably like yeah, I did. I did a really good burger situation. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I don't know why you're apologizing talking about food. I don't it's know. Great, a great joy for me. So thank you. Yeah, I just like to eat. So, so do I. I know. So, I love my friends. You. I know. I do have an oat milk um, chocolate bar in the wings, which I'm <laughs> excited about. Um, so sounds perfect. Yeah, I'm hungry. Mm. We always end hungry, don't we? It's because we always Such talk about good because we talk about snacks at the end. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we don't talk about it at the beginning. All right, everyone. This has been Story Beast. We are hoping that you're revising any big projects you've been working on. What else, Gabby? <laughs> Be brave. Stay beastie. Get revising. And uh, I'll I'll let you guys know um, how my revision unfolds. Mine too. <laughs>